Welcome to the Therapy Files. We are obviously back and on this rainy Thursday we're going to be talking about cults and as ever I am joined by my professional friend and colleague Callum. Hiya Craig. How are you Callum? I'm very well thank you. All the better for being in this lovely conservatory while it is pouring with rain outside. It really makes everything atmospheric doesn't it? It really does, it really does. And if anybody should know that it's you because you've been sat here all day. Absolutely I have. I've been waiting for Craig, to finish off his very important business to, to join me here to do this great episode for everyone. Indeed. So, with that in mind, we'll get right to it. But of course, before we get right to it, there is one thing we need to mention. We are in the cult of Swanshaw. That was good for you, Callum. That was, that was pretty and what does And what does the cult of Swanshaw do, Craig? What are they about? The cult of Swanshaw, they're obsessed with designing and building kitchens and shop fronts. The finest, actually. So if you need any of that, make sure you visit Swanshaw. I'll link it. The link is also, guys, I want to uh, acknowledge as well. It's actually on our Therapy Files podcast page on Instagram as well, which Craig very kindly put in as well, didn't you, Craig? I did, yes. If you want a good, decent price on a kitchen, speak to our man, Glenn. Yeah, you won't find any better. You won't. Take that as well. There's much more than that. They, they do countless amounts of design. So yeah, anything you need doing, guys, he's the easy guy. And so... I think a best place to start, Callum, mm-hmm. is the definition of what a cult sure, is. Sure, sure, sure. Would you like to read that, Craig? I suppose before we even get into the idea mm-hmm. of a cult, I'm interested in what made you bring this one to the table for us to discuss. Yeah, it's, it's funny, isn't it? I always quite, well, obviously, background in criminology, I always found it quite interesting. Particularly one, one thing we always studied was Charles Manson and obviously the family. I always found the interest, the cult idea of a cult very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the Jonestown cult is something that's very well aware in popular yeah. culture, and also what I studied as well. So it's always been, again, an interest of mine with the Macarver. And um, I thought, you know, coming off the back of, we did serial killers last last season, last season before. Last season it was. Last season killers. was serial killers, and, and we did obviously dictators. Then we've done organised crime. It just felt like the na- next natural step, really. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad you brought this up because when I studied a little bit of what a cult is mm. in A-level sociology, mm-hmm. it brings back fond memories of painful times where I was trying to revise for sociology. You were in a cult at college, weren't you? I was. I was. <laughs> That's what happened. <laughs> uh, but it's interesting. And again, guys, just, just for a bit of clarification, we're not just talking about one specific cult. We will mention a few here. We are aware there is a lot more around the world. And we've just kind of done the most, I guess, well-known cults that there are. We know that there probably are some we're going to miss out. So please apologise with, with us on that. But obviously, if we were going to talk about everyone, we were, the podcast would probably go on for about 48 hours. So nobody wants to hear Manny Craig's voices for that long. Let's not trust us. We don't want to do that. No. We don't. I did suggest it's a 10-hour podcast, but I don't think Callum was too thrilled by that idea. I just think we, we would have we would end up killing each other in that time. Probably. You know. Probably. Anyway, to today's episode, cults. Mm. A cult is a group that exists both in and outside the bounds of society. Cults generally gravitate towards a religious philosophy, leader, person or object, according to Mooney, 2005, in their book, The Rhetoric of Religious Cults, Terms of Use and Abuse. And I think it's important that we bring in the idea of a difference between religion 
and a cult. Definitely, Craig. I think one of the key things that, well, whilst there are similarities and, and parallels between religion and cult, of course, of course, there are. That can't we can't acknowledge that. There's also a very large difference between what they both are. And this isn't about demonising anybody. This is just about expressing, basically, expressing the differences. Mm. Uh, would you like me to read that, Craig? Sure, sure. Go ahead. Okay, so the differences between a religion and a cult. Cults can be seen as a Please say this word for me, Craig, because I can never get my tongue around it. Denomination. A denomination. I don't want to say domination. Or new religious movement, and that is by Niebuhr, 1925. Have I pronounced their name correctly? I don't know. No, okay. But we'll, we'll go with that. Hey, that was only your sociology notes then once. So yeah, no, we'll Nick go with Niebuhr. is fine. So unlike the church, cult worship is less formal. Cults operate separately from society as opposed to churches. Cults do not reference scripture from the core source. Cult members, um, cults view members as customers as opposed to a community. Now, this is quite an old reference, but I did put this one in. It's by Bruce, 1995, and I'm aware mm-hmm. there's a lot more current literature on cults, but I thought it was quite a nice, simple kind of way that there are some differences. Yeah. Um, and it's clear that, obviously, for rightly or wrongly, there is a very different dynamic between, I guess, what you call, call organised religion and okay. what would be a denomination or what do you call a new, new religious movement. Yeah, sure. The cults have clergy, although they're not always professional in certain cases. Prayer and singing is adopted in cults like in churches. And cults demand members provide exclusive attention. Book selling and preaching in the street is an example of this. And that's the similarities there, guys, uh, as opposed to the differences. So there are some similarities as well. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so for you, Craig, in terms of kind of a demographic or, or experience, is, is that something you've ever kind of come across yourself? In terms, of, I mean, obviously, I know in the UK, it's not particularly as pr- pronounced as it cults. I suppose, I suppose they're more known, particularly in Asia and maybe the US. But I was just wondering for, you, for yourself, is that something that's ever come up other than sociology? Or um, I know you're not a particularly religious person like myself, are you really? Not necessarily. I, I do believe there's something out mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. but whatever that is, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know because suppose the closest thing we've got to that in Britain, without meaning to offend anybody, I'm going to say this, potentially Jehovah's Witnesses, because they knock on the door. Mm -hmm. You mean in terms of preaching? Yeah, Mm -hmm. in terms of spreading the message, Mm -hmm. and also potentially Mormonism. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know a lot about Mormonism. But if anybody out there does know and wishes to educate me, then please drop me a line. I don't know if you'd agree with that as uh, a form. I mean, I, 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 I get what you're saying in terms of this. Power. I, would, I would obviously class them as kind of a, an organised religion, but there are similarities. A lot of Mormon, a lot of Mormons do live. I don't particularly know in the UK, but I know in the in the states, live in separate communities, which often cults, cults often do, or um, mm-hmm. new religious movements often do. They live quite segregated from society. That being said, of course, that can't be applied to every Mormon. Um, call Jehovah's Witness group either. I think I, I would probably call Jehovah's Witnesses probably more of a religion. I would, I would say. Okay, but I don't, I don't know. Take a Obviously, we do not mean to offend anybody by that. That is our. It's merely a discussion. Our, yeah, our mess, our, our westernised UK perspective of that. Obviously, it might differ country to country, but that's how we've experienced it in the UK, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And we have Scientology, don't we? Which I suppose kind of. I mean, I would probably call that without sounding. Sorry, guys. I know you're going to probably try and sue me here with your beloved Elrond Hubbard, but I'd probably call that more of a cult, even though it's become more of a. Yeah. More of an organised, organisational religious movement, you know, particularly how it was created and, you know, a lot of controversy surrounding it as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and we'll get on to uh, why Craig doesn't like Scientology a little bit later on. Mm. But, I mean, there are some classic 
examples of notable yeah, quotes, really. The family. Mm-hmm. Um, Charles Manson and his followers notably killed Sharon Tate, as well as Jay Serbing. Wolszek Vrajewski. I do apologise. Or oh, Wolszek, actually, I think it's pronounced. <laughs> Wolszek Vrajewski <laughs> and Abigail Fogler. In 1969, they helped to generate a a race war, a helter-skelter, after the Beatles song. So that's interesting. Mm, It is. It's it's very fascinating. I think think Charles Manson's kind of philosophy, Craig, kind of going back to some of my criminology knowledge out there, was basically that black people and white people were destined to be at war. And he thought that the Beatles were prophets of this war, and particularly the song Helter Skelter, inside its lyrics, contained this message. A bit wow factory, by the way, as well. Uh, Manson actually tried to audition to be a member of the Beatles. And he's actually discovered by the Beach Boys, one of the Beach Boys members, and actually released an album of music. Wow. Just to do a bit of a wild fact, he's actually quite a talented musician, was our Charlie. Perhaps I'll put him in as as the uh, starting music. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that would be Um, interesting. His famous, one of his famous songs is called Look at Your Game Girl. I've not heard him. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, uh, I only know that from chronology, guys. Don't make me out some sort of hero worshipping. Serial killer thing, but yeah, it was a that was a massive, a massive, um, particularly in the sixties, huge kind of, um, I suppose, introduction to the West about cults and uh, I guess highlighted them very dangerously. Mm. Um, particularly, in, you know, in LA, they lived an old movie set in the middle of the desert in Los Angeles, and you know, kind of would come out, and that's when they committed that murder. You know, hoping to to think it. Sharon, Sharon Tate was actually in a relationship at the time of a director. Now, disgraced director Roman Polanski, she was carrying his baby, which was also killed. Mm. It sounds quite romanticised in that living in, on a movie set mm. in the middle of a desert, kind of like a Hollywood life. Absolutely. And it's, it's obviously led to a very harrowing kind of case. And when Manson was in court, his, his, his followers, they were so devoted to him, they, they crawled on the floor from, from, the, from, I think it was like the start of town, all the way to the courtroom on their hands and knees, mm. you know. Wow. It's crazy. And, and, and Charlie never even committed one murder. He, he, he was rightly arrested for murder because his influence, influ- you know, influenced those around him to, to commit these crimes mm. as well. If you're out there, Charlie. He's dead. But go on. Why? <laughs> what influenced you? <laughs> we need to know. The A.M. Shrienkyo. Good effort. Go on. Is that right? Shinriko. Shinriko. A.M. Shinriko. It's a Japanese doomsday cult led by Shoko Ashar, a blind, self-professed prophet. And cults, they are enacted in a deadly string gas attack in the Tokyo subway, killing 13 people in 2018, was it, Carl? It was in the 90s. It was 1990. Oh, in 90? Yeah, okay. it was in the 90s, in the early 90s. But he was hanged. He, killed the, he was hanged in 2018. He was sentenced to death in 2004. He was, uh, yeah, he believed he was a prophet. And uh, he again wanted a bit something to Manson, wanted to create a war. And uh, he did that by bring about the end of the world. So they organised a, a gas attack on the subway. It was one of the worst, I think the worst terrorist act in um, Japanese history, actually. Hmm. I I find that quite harrowing. It's very really. harrowing. It was very very harrowing, and a lot of people you know, and a lot of people lived with horrendous Craig injuries after that as well. It was it was, a, it was a horrible, and um, the ramifications of that are still felt today in Japan, because Japan generally has a very low crime rate and very rarely experiences a multitude of crime. But a huge terrorist act like that mm. has, has been massively massively impactful. And yet, like Japanese culture seems to not necessarily advocate, but believe in the act of dying by suicide. Sure, the kamikaze kind of worries yeah. and suicide for us. Yeah, I mean, Japan are very notoriously kind of, I don't know about now, presently, but they've always kind of 
somewhat being at peace with the idea. Haven't they? I don't know if things have changed over there. Now it seems mm-hmm. that way um, with mental health and stuff like that. But yeah, absolutely. If you look back to the Kamikaze Warriors and mm-hmm. um, you know, particularly the, obviously the Suicide Forest, which is a national landmark now where people kind of go to obviously sadly take their own lives. There is certainly a, a relationship there, isn't there? Definitely mm-hmm. between the two. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I, think, yeah. I, think, I think we have the the most famous cult probably of all now, don't we, Craig? Which was obviously yeah. the Jonestown cult, um, otherwise known as the People's Temple. Uh, that was created by Reverend Jim Jones. He had over 900 members, that, um, which eventually believed, um, sorry, moved, they moved the cult from America to um, Barima Waini, which is in Guyana in South America. The cult wanted to create a balance of communism and socialism with Christianity, which I always found really fascinating as somebody who identifies as a socialist. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually culminating in the 1978 mass suicide when Congressman Leo Ryan visited Jonestown with his group of staff and journalists. It got out that the people wanted to leave. Uh, that was a, a journalist from America who went over to South America. It got back to Jones that people wanted to leave the cult. Actually found out that later on that Jones found out about this and he actually sent people to kill them to make sure they never made it back to the United States. Yeah. Um, so Jones ordered the deaths of those journalists. He then ordered everyone in the Jonestown cult to kill themselves because in his opinion, if they couldn't live peacefully in Jonestown, then there was nothing left to live for. We would get out that the team and congressional inquiry were dead and then the United States would come after them. So it's quite shocking, really. Mm-hmm. All I can think, I can remember studying this for A-level sociology. Mm. Um, I can remember the phrase, don't drink the Kool-Aid. That's right, yeah. That's absolutely right. I think um, the thing that sticks out for me weirdly about um, Jones is that he, he used to wear, I don't know if you remember, these really yellowy coloured aviator glasses. He never showed mm. his eyes. Uh, and he did them in sermons and when he was preaching to his followers and that. And I always, always when I think of him, that's the first thing I don't think about the, the death. I always think about the really kind of intimidating glasses that he wore. Mm. People were wondering, obviously, a bit like what Craig was alluding to there. Survivors of Jones, the people who did survive the mass suicide or genocide, they had to drink cyanide laced flavour aid. Um, it was not voluntary and many were forced at gunpoint to feed it to their loved ones and themselves. More than 900 people died, the largest American tragedy until 9 11. They were forced to drink a cyanide laced punch. Not one I'll be trying anytime soon. I mean, what that, what does that bring up for you, that great in terms of it? I mean, obviously we talk about cults, and I get, you know, I get that we, we spoke about they're not all they're not all bad. There are some peaceful cults, I suppose, but in terms of from a dangerous perspective, I mean, that's quite frightening, isn't it? That people in this cult could be so ideologically brainwashed mm-hmm. as in order to kill their children. Mm-hmm. That, it doesn't sit right with me. Yeah, and there's the other side of it as well. Not many people wanted to go through with it as well, and were also forced to as yeah. well. You know. So he's got a few deaths on his hands. A lot, yeah. I should say. It's amazing that he saw Jonestown as kind of the pinnacle, wasn't it? And if that collapsed and there was no point in the people living in the outside world. Yeah, it's sort of like he wanted to rule the world his way. Yeah. Or not at all. Definitely. I suppose Jonestown, in terms of, if we want to look at this from a God kind of complex position, was his church and he was, or his world, as you said, and he was the God of that world. And if people wanted to live out of that, then what was the point of his own existence? You know. mm. um, I, I, I say this, I bring this without judgment, but it makes you wonder if he was connected to God, was he experiencing psychotic delusions at yeah. that point? I think, you, I think you're absolutely right, Craig, and I think there's certainly a God complex there, and I think there's definitely, I think I think he's been diagnosed recently, lately, later on as a psychopath, and I think there's definitely traits of psychopathy in there, there's definitely the self-serving kind of side of what, what he is, um, clearly very desensitised to death and the suffering of others, mm. and obviously out for his own 
gain and, and didn't want anything about him exposing, you know, and ultimately it was if I'm going to go down, take everybody else with me, I won't just do myself in, I won't just complete suicide myself, I will take my entire Congress or, or congregation with me, mm. you know. Yeah, he, he brainwashed so many people into following him. Yeah. And it just makes you wonder what he actually said to them. Yeah. Like, we weren't there and we can't travel back in time. But what could you have possibly said to, like, 900 people to try and convince them that this was a good idea? Sure. I think, I think one of the key things, Craig, as well, is that, ironically, when he started that cult, he was, I don't want to use the term good man, but his ideology was quite, you know, everybody was equal. He was equal, you know, he wanted race, racial equality as well, which at the time was a very controversial subject. Mm-hmm. Um, so very fascinating. Definitely, definitely. But then, of course... We've got the Colonia Dingad, which was an established post by World War II, fleeing Nazis in Chile, South America. A cult existed with 300 German members, whilst Chile was under a dictatorship by Augusto Pinochet. Yeah, please don't have a go at us there, Gary. We're, we're okay. <laughs> uh, whilst being led by Paul Schaffer, a fugitive from Germany, for child molestation. Yeah, he was a paedophile who led the group. Mm. And the group became notorious for sex crimes, torture, and general murder. Very harrowing, isn't it? You, know, you think about the post post Nazism that yeah. they fled to. Cause a lot of Nazis fled to South America, didn't they? And they obviously took up home there, took up shelter, and um, took advantage of a country that was obviously under great strain, uh, and was able to torture and actually sexually exploit his followers as well. Mm. Um, Terrifying. It is. Like, I don't know whether this comparison will hold up, but it's just popped into my head. And all I can think of is Jimmy's Havel. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because now you say that, I know, I know obviously we're talking about, I know it's quite different in terms of historic child sexual abuse, but obviously that was happening in that call as well. Um, but the difference, I think, Jimmy Savile was kind of, well, maybe, maybe there was a cult around Jimmy Savile. Because he was certainly protected, wasn't he? He was, To yeah. get away with those abhorrent crimes and people are still being protected right now. Mm-hmm. He certainly was. You know. Yeah. Mm. Food for thought. It really. is food for thought. It is food for thought. There's certainly, uh, particularly looking at Epstein uh, and things like that now, and Prince Andrew. You know, there's a lot, of, a lot around that. I'm not saying they're part of what we would define as general cults or, or you know, new religious movements, but there's, there's certainly uh, there's people around them who follow them and uh, do it quite blindly, don't they? Mm. I said, and I suppose in that respect, we could say that social influences are seen to maybe have cults. Mm. Definitely. Mm. Cult, cult personality, isn't it? Mm, it yeah. is. It is. Uh, this is one I studied in criminology as well, Heaven's Gate. Uh, this was established by Bonnie Nettled in New Mexico in 1974, and it was eventually taken over by Marshall Applewhite. Eventually moving to San Diego, California, 39 members of the cult completed suicide in 1997 at the behest of Marshall to move on to a place called the next level in the afterlife. The cult believed in a mixture of Christianity and UFO religion, so they were very interested in space, they were very interested in aliens and UFO culture. It was quite large in America, particularly New Mexico at the time, because there were a lot of sightings. And obviously they, they believed that our bodies were basically, I guess, a vessel. And then we had this thing called the next level. And they wanted to move on to there to be, I guess, free, you know, to complete that odyssey. And there, all I can think about is coming back to the idea of self-actualization. Mm. Again, from, from the hierarchy of need. Mm. Again, that question keeps coming back. The idea of death potentially being that form of self-actualization. 
Yeah, and you know, got another another example as well. I was just thinking then Irving Yalom, he wrote that book, um, Staring at the Sun, about overcoming the fear of death, and he very much is relevant in that. You know, he spoke about overcoming the fear of death, and I guess within these these organizations, these cults, these new religious movements, whatever you want to call them, people have somewhat overcame that. Well, maybe say Patrick Jones' time cult, because that was certainly done under duress, but you know, murder, genocide, suicide, these were all committed in these in these environments where people must have obviously felt some form of safety to do so, excluding obviously the Jones time cult. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's um, food for thought. The next one I've got on my list is The Branch, founded by Vernon Koresh in 1984 after branching away from another group called the Shepherd's Rod they believed in Armageddon held in a 51 day siege in Waco, Texas between February the 28th and April 19th 1993 the year after I was born (laughs) 82 cult members were killed and four law officers were killed so that's a standoff Craig that's an 80 what's that an 80 um, a 51 day siege so they held up in their compound segregated from society 82 days always make me laugh it's in Waco, Texas because the name Waco you know Mm -hmm. I think well it's absolutely crazy isn't it really you know the death and destruction that was caused with that it certainly is not something that bears thinking about. I no, suppose. not really. I mean, it must have been terrifying for the, the members being trapped in there as well, mustn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, what, what, I suppose before going on to that, the branch, what, what do you think about hearing that, Craig? Especially somebody, I, I, what I want to ask about that, like, somebody who comes from a law, I suppose, a law, law family, a police family, what do you think about hearing that? I think maybe if it was my family, I would be outraged mm-hmm. that anybody would want to kill a police mm-hmm. officer. Mm-hmm. But in places like Texas, in places like, I don't know, New York, in places like Port Ventura, that's not in America. No, that, that's, that's, no. Uh, that's one of the Canary Islands, but... Okay. Um, sorry to any Forteventurians out there. <laughs> uh, but in places like America and yeah. all of those states, it... Um, Were you thinking of Fort Lauderdale out of interest? Probably. Yeah. It may be the fact that there's a different view of law enforcement over there. But then again, police are put at risk on a daily mm. basis when they work in England. Sure. You know, say... It might be worth, it might be worth one day, kind of off the thingy as well, because obviously I think, you know, I've been obviously a bit of, a, a bit of an abolitionist of the police and you coming from a police family. It might be interesting one day to do as a police, uh, maybe a debate on police, you know, oh, two completely say. opposite perspectives of it. Could certainly Might be quite that. interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm open to debate. Absolutely. It's Absolutely. not an issue. Hey, we can uh, disagree and still be friends, can't we? Of course. That's one of the best things about friendship. Yeah. It's interesting though, I mean, particularly particularly with Vernon Koresh, I mean, I remember, I remember kind of watching about him and he, again, sexual abuse, had multiple wives in the cult and they were, they were a bit like a lot of cults, they were kind of segregated from society in a large compound and he made it essentially Craig into a fortress and that's where that standoff ensued basically and they, wow. they were throwing grenades at the police officers, obviously the police officers were, this is kind of this whole thing as well, who shot first as well, the cult obviously claimed the police shot first and vice versa, they claimed that the cult shot first, so massive massive amount of loss and what I will say though is, and I, I'm not particularly defending the cult as much as I am condemning the police officers but that's a lot of cult members to be killed though, 80 it is. I wonder how the police how, how they how they justified that. You know, eighty because if, if you think of this as a standoff, just to kind of get to a bit of a debate about this. Yeah. If you think of it as a standoff, surely there'd be more police officers that were killed. It sounds like to me there's been a lot of rapid fire going on. Potentially yeah. the idea that shoot first and ask questions mm, later. Yeah, inch, which obviously without without I don't I mean I should I say without criticizing the police, I always criticize the police, but in American police, particularly, that seems to be a philosophy, doesn't it, Craig? They do shoot first and ask questions later. Yeah, to sort of get the threat neutralised, mm-hmm. I suppose. Absolutely. But obviously, these were people who were evidently brainwashed and probably needed help at the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we've scooted around this a little bit, but I'm going to I'm going to challenge my dear colleague here and put him on the spot. Scientology, Craig. 
Would you like to share your views on that? I know you've got a lot of strong opinions. Would you like to? But I suppose it's quite relevant yeah. for us as well, being we have a, a church here in Manchester as well. Would you like to? Go do we? We do, yes. We do. Oh we do. my goodness. Yeah. I did not know we that. We do, yes, we do. Uh, Manchester, yes, there are. It is on Deansgate, Craig. Oh, good lord. There you go. <laughs> good lord. <laughs> That's fun intended. Go on, anyway. Uh, yeah. <laughs> wow. My thoughts around the Church of Scientology. Mm. How can I put it? L. Ron Hubbard. L. Ron Hubbard. Probably. Yeah. Wearing a tin hat made of tin foil. <laughs> One might argue. We're going to get sued after this. You know this, don't you? Yes, I am. <laughs> I am well aware that we probably get sued. But one thing that stands out to me in the idea of Scientology is that they formally believe that people with disabilities should be killed mm. because it shows that they did something wrong in mm. a previous life. And I can remember my old sociology college tutor saying that fact. And I didn't speak for the rest of the lesson. Mm. I was horrified. Absolutely horrified by it. As somebody, sorry to, I'm not trying to exploit you here, Craig, at all. Uh, no more than I do regularly. Um, but as somebody who is disabled, what, is, what does that bring up for you? I mean, for me, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm not disabled, but... Well, I'm not physically disabled. I, I suppose I, I come under mental disabled. I'm bipolar disorder, but for me that brings intense anger. Mm -hmm. It brings up the fact that my life mm -hmm. is not worth living, mm -hmm. or it's not it's not worth anything mm -hmm. in the eyes of people with Scientology. I am not currently suicidal to anybody listening to this. <laughs> to their displeasure, I'm sure. Yes. Um, it's a Scientologist, by the way, dear listener. Not 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 you guys. <laughs> no. Um, so I just think. They are clearly misguided in their thoughts around people with disabilities sure. and Scientology. And why is one life less valuable than an able-bodied life than a disabled life? And also, when you think about how many great people there were in the world who have got disabilities, think about the Paralympians that have just come back from Tokyo in 2020. Uh, because it's Tokyo 2020 and how much respect I have for those people, those athletes. You just think, why would anybody think that they deserve to die? And <laughs> just think, that's stupid, mm. to be quite honest with you. But then also you've got people like Stephen Hawking, who is no longer with us, Professor Stephen Hawking, and um, such an incredible mind. Why would anybody want him dead for what he, he believed in? He was... He wasn't a Scientologist himself, he was a physicist, and he's one of the most cleverest people there. And I might be misguided about Scientology these days. Maybe Scientology changed its views, I don't know. But the idea that they believe that people with disability, their life is more or less worthless, is just dumbfounding to me. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I know, I know there've been a lot of problems through the years. Like I said, I, don't, I can't speak for now, but I know historically there've been a lot of problems. One with disability, two with long-standing conditions. For example, if you have an illness, you're not supposed to take medication for it, and that's one of the famous cases with John Travolta's son who passed away. Jet wasn't he? he had an epileptic seizure, and because mm. he didn't take medicine, he passed away. I know there's things with issues with women. You know, women scream, screaming in labour, they're not allowed to scream in labour. Um, mm. Yeah, and obviously issues with with homosexuals as well. Uh, I don't know if you know this, Craig, but Elron Hubbard's son was gay. 
he was thrown out by Scientology and he sadly, sadly died of lethal suicide. And it was after that that L. Ron Hubbard had the breakdown and was institutionalised. So there have been long-standing issues with Scientology. Mm. And uh, so, you know, they have certainly got a cult mentality. I know they've kind of, I suppose the difference between them and the, the I suppose, the stereotypical cult is they are part of society. They don't seem to segregate, if that makes sense. They very much are part of our community in terms of mm. their churches are in our, in, our, in our cities, in our towns, and it's massive. It's now recognised as a natural religion. I mean, maybe I'm an outsider here. We definitely are outsiders. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly yeah. an outsider, but I don't have very much understanding of what Scientology is, per se, beyond a religion. Really? I way to steal your money. Oh, sorry. No, that slipped out. <laughs> you might have doubted that out. Which I clearly won't. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting, isn't it? I, I had a friend who um, went to college with, and she was telling me her dad actually got into Scientology, uh, the one in Manchester, and um, they now live in the Derbyshire area, and he said that when he tried to leave, they wouldn't let him, and they, they got loads of money off him, and for years they were still coming back saying he owed them all this money. So, I mean, in that regard, I suppose it's no different than organised religion. They're always trying to take your money as well, but certainly with Scientology, there's more of an extreme side of it, I would say. Yeah, yeah. You know, what they believe in, you know, the whole thing of other planets and you know, philosophies of that realm, the kind of sci-fi. I stuff. mean, I suppose if Karl Marx were here now, um, Frederick Engels, uh, Frederick Engels, yeah, they would probably say that capitalism is a religion. Yes, probably, Absolutely. most likely. Absolutely. In fact, I mean, in fairness to the, to, the, to, to well, no, not in fairness to capitalism, because I despise it, but I suppose capitalists could then turn around and say, so is communism, couldn't they? They could. So, they could. And I say that's a staunch angle lover as well. Mm-hmm. I do love you, Carl, by the way. I do love Karl Marx, but I, I, as a feminist, I do struggle with Karl a little bit. His beard is fabulous. His beard is fabulous. Yeah. He's a dude, you know, maybe maybe it was a product of his time, but particularly Frederick Engels was the was much more of a feminist, so I prefer him. Yes, and that is where we shall leave that. <laughs> <laughs> that's for another episode, guys. For the time being. Yes, for the time being. So we, we put a couple of references in there, Craig. Do you want to read them out? Yeah, we did. We looked at the world-famous cults and fanatics. That was a book in 2011 by Colin Wilson. And we also looked at Alexandra Stein, who published a book in 2016 called Terror, Love and Brainwashing. I read the Wilson book because it was one of the ones I used in a criminology exam around cults. I have not read the Alexandra Stein one properly. I've given it a good looking over due to obviously was doing this podcast and it looks absolutely phenomenal. I wish it was out at the time I was doing my criminology. Oh, no. A year late on that one. Damn it. <laughs> Never mind, eh? And that leads us to the question, are all cults dangerous? Well, it's, an, well, it's an interesting question, isn't it, Craig? And obviously the problem is, and in, and in fairness to, to cults as well, when you use that name now, it does almost come up as like a dirty word, doesn't it? You know, it's kind we, we straight away think, oh, maniacs that sit around preaching to the choir of, you know, of one individual or one god who take all your money and make you live there and you live there against your will and that you're brainwashed and, you know, all of those things, which, again, rightly or wrongly, you know, is, is a question. But, you know, just, just to give a bit of fence of cults, you know, to be fair to them, uh, there is the Church of the Last Testament, which is in, in Siberia, which is, was established by Vizarian Sergei Antolekovic Torop, who believes he, they are Jesus reincarnated. They have had no Incidents from that cult. Although there have been no crimes committed, there was an arrest made. I think it was last year. I found out recently due to fears of human rights abuse in there as well and possible explo- uh, sexual exploitation as well. Because mm. I did find out, and I did not know this at the time when writing this, that Mr. Vazarian actually married a 
woman after his first wife who he lived with in the cult who had lived with him since the age of seven and he married her at 18. Now that sounds dodgy, doesn't it? Sorry, that doesn't sound right. Mm. So I can understand why. It doesn't look good. But Craig, is there an unfair stigma attached to cults? What do you think from what we've written underneath? Depending on what they are following, perhaps not. Mm. Because I have always thought about how the media uses the phrase cult yeah. in terms of they always refer to it as the cult of Pulp Fiction, mm. which is a fantastic film, by the way. And if nobody's seen it, the hell are you doing listening yeah, to this? It is fantastic. The, direct, the director's it. a horrible person, but yeah, the, the film's fantastic. Yeah, and of course then probably the cult of Harry Potter has the <laughs> Don't know. I mean, we have written on the stigma below. Do you want to? Do you want to kind of read what what you think of it? Stigma. Haddon, two thousand and three. Cult and sects are problematic terms which segregate those with new religious beliefs. Those holding beliefs are unfairly seen as freaky, dangerous, and threatening. Something that no member of an unconventional religious organization would want to be labeled. Many cults, therefore, are notorious for financial sexual exploitation and also pedophilia. It's interesting that though, isn't it? Because I suppose what he's saying there, what Haddon is saying is, although the well-known cults that we are aware of, i.e. the family, the Jonestown cult, the Heaven's, the Heaven's uh, Gate cult, they're known for financial sexual exploitation and paedophilia. But I guess what he's also saying is there are cults out there that live in harmony, mm. ones that we aren't well aware of who actually find the term cult or sect quite abhorrent and quite offensive. I suppose, yeah. Mm. I mean, when you think about it, what about the cult of Axel Rose? <laughs> yes, greatest cult of all. <laughs> Callum is a signed up member for that one. Signed up member? I'm the leader of the. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I suppose I want to ask you or bring to the table the question of why people are joining cult. Yeah, I mean, I suppose, Craig, there, there's no direct answer as to why someone would join a cult. Mm-hmm. But some of the kind of influences that we know of is it's a place for people to belong. You know, obviously yeah. we spoke about kind of with organised crime, if, if you've been kind of oppressed or segregated in your life, it's quite normal for us to band together for a common ideology or belief, isn't it? To feel mm-hmm. safe and give something to believe in. You know, we know that when we believe in something, it's, it's quite powerful. And, um, yeah, mm. you know, we we, we we look for that that connection as humans, don't we? Whether that's to be a higher being or a, a leader, or even if it's just common ideology. Absolutely, you know, the idea that one has a value and they see value in you. They promise you value. Yeah. They promise you options and choice. Absolutely. They promise you the good life, and as we know from Margaret Atwood's The Handmaid's Tale, yeah. it doesn't always turn out to be no. the good life. No, absolutely. I mean, not. Margaret Atwood's The Handmaid's Tale wasn't a cult, but one might argue that they sort of missold offered and her friends what it would be like to be in Gilead I mean, places like that did you in your literature did you I should probably actually the second bloody deep uh, every uh, podcast thing but in your literature did you come across any literature that surrounding cults at all not that something you guys to my knowledge I know you did in sociology mm, not to my personal knowledge but I suppose that there are probably books out there on cults like I don't you know you've got like cult fiction as a label mm-hmm. I suppose that's another phrase for classic literature yeah. I don't know but like probably got like novel like uh, Lolita yeah. by Vladimir Nabokov uh, which is um, where a man falls in love with an 11 year old girl and now that obviously is paedophilia and, and problematic, yeah. seriously wrong however you know there are that could be considered a cult read mm. or there's things like Day of the Triffids mm-hmm. you know again the idea that the Triffids sort of wanted to take over the world and sort of make it so that there was no kind of human life there it suggests that I don't know maybe plants know better than trees I don't know 
possibly. Pl- no, plants know better are, than yeah. animals. It's just, an interesting, it's just an interesting thing. So obviously we spoke about your sociology background. It sounds like your guide really covered that and it was about kind of what I liked, clear about what you showed me, about what you were studying. Was it kindly differentiated between and also provided similarities between what a cult is or a sect is or a new religious movement is, belief, and what organised religion is, isn't it? Mm. Which is quite, which was quite interesting. Off the back of that, often people are forced to join cults. So it might mm. be the children of, of, of members that are forcing the children to join. So they join with no choice whatsoever. Mm. They work, you know, obviously they spend their time in that. I think more than anything is that a lot of cult members who do join, those that are there, there are also many people who don't want to be there and want to get out as well and are trapped, you know. For obvious reasons. Mm, absolutely. I can I can see definite similarities between organised religion and cults. Mm. But I know that organised religion is not a cult because people can leave the church yeah. or people can leave, you know, Amish culture, for example. Mm. Yeah. At that place in America, I don't know where they live, but I remember watching programmes and they literally shunned their daughters simply because they put makeup on their mm. face. And that must have been really harmful for their daughters sure. to experience being shunned simply because they engaged in expression expression and popular culture sure. outside of the sure. uh, outside of the religion and outside of the faith and i suppose that leads me to the question that i don't know that's okay, Craig. That's okay. It's a quite unfounded thing. I think um, the other thing as well, a lot of places, it, I just on the time of that as well, it's interesting, isn't it? Like the Kim Dynasty, for example, of North Korea, they're very much a cult, aren't they, in terms of how the people move around them, the, the, you know, the dynasty. Mm-hmm. The people, were, I mean, they've got no choice. They're obviously living under gun, but the way they're worshipped, they're very much a cult, cultish figures. They're gods, aren't they? It's quite interesting. Yeah. You know, they have. Um, obviously, another another version is a place to live. All cults live in compounds. They, prov- they do provide There's something we do need to acknowledge. A lot of cults, not all, but a lot of cults do provide living spaces for people and food as well, mm, which is something, something quite charitable about that, actually. Mm-hmm. Quite interesting. Some people are groomed and indoctrinated, so uh, brainwashed, and obviously young children might be sexually exploited, uh, or all the people could be sexually exploited. We don't know, depending on the vulnerability. Um, that's quite a scary thought, actually, as well. And uh, mm. I suppose, I suppose... The interesting thing is, we spoke about it before, is cults have now kind of become a part of popular culture through kind of the media, um, obviously online now, we, we have all this access. Um, you know, a couple of examples of that, you know, I'm a big, massive horror fanatic, and, you know, I've had to put down Rosemary's Baby, you know, mm. obviously she gets involved with a, with a, sat- a satanic cult. Obviously that's not necessarily an attack Satanism, by the way, I'm well aware that Satanism is a very, very kind religion on the, on the comparison to many others, so good for you guys in New York for establishing that. Uh, the Wicker Man, obviously another one of my all-time favourite films. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christopher Leon, who as Lord Summer Isle, absolutely fantastic um, depiction of, well, I suppose, what uh, a demonic cult could be in terms of, I don't want to say progressive thinking, but in terms of doomsday cults and, you know, murderous, that was a fantastic uh, fiction of that and that's not the stereotype yeah. ball coat. and just before we move on yeah 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 I, I just want to think I remember watching the fourth season of The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina mm-hmm. and they actually did depict a Wicker Man cult oh really uh, as, as as wizards and goblins and wanting to that's so interesting take over the earth with nature I suppose that is, that is very very it was interesting. interesting and I suppose in a way because it was sort of like a dark goth version of Sabrina you could argue that maybe that they were sort of in a cult yeah, so absolutely. to speak and I'm also thinking of other examples in cults mm-hmm. we've got the Ku Klux Klan haven't we 
Yeah, now, I, you see, the interesting thing about that, Craig, is I didn't include them mm-hmm. purely for the reason, and I know I know the viewers, particularly my leftist allies, will agree with me here, I didn't include them as a cult because, at the end of the day, they're a terrorist group. I, I can see that. No, no, no. But, was, but the problem is, what, what's happened for many years, and let's just call it space bait, because they're white and they proclaim to be Christians, which, by the way, they're absolutely not, um, they have not been labelled as a terrorist because the terrorist now, in our culture, has to be brown. Mm. You know, they have to be brown and Muslim or black, you know, and that's the racism depicted within our media. The Ku, Klux, the, the Ku Klux Klan, despite having cultish ideologies, are 1,000% a terrorist organisation. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> so I'm not letting them off on that one. It's also to say, you know, we, we said it about other far-right groups, Craig, of course, you know, uh, the Proud Boys, of course, the EDL, of course, uh, National Action. Of course, they all kind of, guess any any form of neo-Nazism has cultish ideologies because they worship Adolf Hitler, they worship the ideology of the Nazism, of Nazism, sorry. But at the end of the day, they're out there causing harm out there, they're causing pain to other people and spreading terror and they belong to an organisation so under definition they are a terrorist organisation um, mm. but there is something about people not being called terrorists when they're because they're not the right colour isn't it because of our notoriously racist media well put that's alright always there to defend the thing you um, but obviously another great film I watched was called Apothle which was is that Apostle or Apothle I can never say it right Apostle Apostle that was on Netflix I'd highly recommend that for anybody who's not seen it by the way it's a fantastic film it's by the guy who did The Raid if anybody watched the South American action film The Raid it's brilliant if you get a chance great do watch it mm-hmm. obviously there's a video game Far Cry 5 that depicts a cult in that uh, and obviously there's a great Kevin Bacon TV series which was cancelled too soon called The Following which was really really good and I suppose also I'm just thinking there was a depiction of a cult in a programme called oh my god can't remember what it was. That'd be a good name for a cult thing, though, wouldn't it? Oh, oh my god. god, yeah, it would. <laughs> Wasn't the Lost? I'm just Googling. Sorry, bear with me. No, it's take your time. The Leftovers. The Leftovers? Have you ever watched The Leftovers? I have not. Is it good? I enjoyed it. Dad enjoyed it as well. Okay. But there is the idea of definite cult work going mm-hmm. on there. Um, set in America, and one day people just go about their business and then people start to disappear. Mm-hmm. And there is this idea that cult has sort of taken them and you sort of, they all dress in white. Mm-hmm. Those that believe that they have gone to a better place. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I am not going to spoil it and tell you what happens, but there's three series of it mm-hmm. on Sky. So maybe have a watch at that. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds good. Primarily. Remember Xena as well. Xena showed a cult on there. As well, one season as well, which was really good. Primarily because I cannot remember the ending because it was a while ago. <laughs> but you know, kind of as we get to kind of the final thoughts, Craig, I suppose. Is there a place in society for cultures? I suppose, well, I'll just throw into the ether. For me, for my own stuff, I worry about cults in terms of there have been, obviously, and I'm not stereotyping here if anybody's in one or, or, or a new sect or a new religious movement, I'm not stereotyped. Just historically, there seems to be a lot of abuse that goes unchecked and a lot of crime that goes unchecked and a lot of violence that ends up being perspirated by, by these, by these institutions. Mm. If they were to be separate from society, I have no issue with that. If they want to come into society, that's absolutely fine. But I do think, not just cults or sects or new religious movements, but if there are going to be an organisation that's going to live separately, I do think there has to be some form of check to mm-hmm. make sure that everybody's okay. DBS checks on people who are leading it, you know, to give that protection and that kind of, I suppose, free, I don't know anything, nothing can be foolproof, but I suppose that free, that, um, I don't know how to word this, I don't want to call it Big Brother effect because I'm all for people, you know, living freely and things like that. It's actually a philosophy, but to people who essentially to keep people safe mm. I don't know what you think about that Craig I, I would say that I also worry about mm. cults mm-hmm. I do think they are problematic mm-hmm. all I can think for some reason is about a series of American Horror Story mm. and it was called The Coven right. and they were like a cult of right. witches right. I loved that programme because mm-hmm. it had really famous faces in mm-hmm. it 
It's like obviously made up and everything, mm. but yeah, you do wonder if like there's a load of sexual abuse going on. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's problematic, really, when you think about it, because nobody ever deserves sexual abuse no. ever or any form of hardship, isn't it? So, yeah, it's, it's very difficult. I, I, I'm not against the idea of, of new religious sects as well. That's what I want people mm. to understand. It, it, you know, I'm not against the idea. What I have an issue with, and this is quite hypocritical of me, because again, I hate the whole surveillance big brother thing. Mm. Is if people seem to be out there left unchecked, this is where the these issues seem to arise, doesn't it, Craig? When people build mm. on land or they have these compounds that are segregated from society, which I you know, again, no problem with whatsoever, there seems to be always someone who takes over these, who ends up starting a chain of abuse that goes from the top down, and it's our children that seem to suffer from it, and our women. Mm. I'm not saying our men don't as well, of course they do, but you know, it seems to be those within the most vulnerable that, that suffer the most, and it's, it's it's really hard to... And this could be the unfair stigma that's attached to them. I don't know. And I want, I want to give them a fair shout here as well. Is there an unfair stigma attached to them, Craig, as well? Oh, it does the media perpetuate Wait, uh, which may be, you know, maybe. How would one know unless one is in it? Sure. Which again, we're coming from a very privileged position here. Yeah. Never been in one. Obviously, we're going to debate it because it's a, it's a very relevant topic. And obviously, me being a criminologist, Craig being a sociologist, it is very relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was thinking, as a counsellor, how do we counsel people in from cults? You know, and also, how do we understand what constitutes a real belief and value system? Sure. From somebody's values, beliefs, and opinions versus mental health difficulties like bipolarity Mm -hmm. just to bring that out and also schizophrenia Mm -hmm. multiple personality disorder as well yeah how how can we tell the difference between whether one is truly mad Mm -hmm. and thinking that they are for example the messiah Mm -hmm. or whether what they're actually struggling with is a mental illness sure sure. if that made any sense no it makes complete sense and I think that I suppose my other side of me with that is kind of saying well in fairness to to new religious beliefs and sects and cults is that we don't really check our own priests been free to abuse for many years and that's not stereotyping by the way I know there's some wonderful priests out there and I know there are many people who are trying to do good but you know you look at Catholicism for example we yeah. allow we allow that to happen so mm. why would we do the same with, with with other beliefs and I think I think that's the problem is both new beliefs new new you know new ideologies and churches mosques you know synagogues everywhere Buddhist temples the lot they all need to be checked as not because of the religious mm. or because of the cult just like any society when there's a place where people can be vulnerable going in there mm. you know we need to make sure everything is safe and I think if that is in place, I have no issue with cults coming into the society or living segregated if there are regular checks. It's just that I know, and I'm sure you agree with me here, Craig, that will never happen. Totally, totally. 100% yeah. agree. Yeah. And let us know what you think, Gary. Mm. Out of interest, while, while we're talking about Gary and therapy, what, what would you count? How would you counsel somebody from a cult? I was thinking. I was thinking because the interesting thing is, I don't think I don't think the person-centered approach to that is, is not as good as it is. I think it could nurture them and all that. There'd be such high levels of trauma and institutionalization and, and brainwashing if it were coming out of one of those dangerous sides of a cult who'd been affected. I'm supposing, I guess, what would be on my thought would be kind of like EMDR and things like that. Really, I have very little experience of EMDR, mm-hmm. um, but it could help with the trauma. From mm-hmm. what I know, mm-hmm. um, it is a set of flashing lights and repeating patterns and they are asked to relive the trauma sure. while repeating those patterns as sure. far as I'm sure, aware sure, sure, sure. you yeah. are more experienced than yeah that. yeah and it's about you know looking at the eyes and the, you know moving and moving and you know I'm, I'm, well, it says eye movement um so yeah, that would be, I suppose, I suppose if we were looking at it from a person-centered perspective, obviously we'd use the core values, but I suppose how can we accept somebody who, or accept somebody's circumstances who's been made to go through such hell? You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's unacceptable. 
put it bluntly. We can accept the person, absolutely, but can we accept their beliefs if they're a brainwashed person? That is an interesting thought, because how can we, how can we really separate cult beliefs Mm -hmm. from what they've been brainwashed with No, compared compared with their own beliefs? Mm. They won't know what's the difference. No, I won't know what's the same. That would be challenging. Absolutely. I don't know. Are there any therapists out there listening to this that have dealt with people who are in cults? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Is there anybody out there who's who's actually been in one as well? Just out of interest. We'd love you to get in touch if you, especially if you disagree with us. Let us know. We, you know, I'm not. I'm not, we're not ragging on anybody, we're not dragging anybody through the coals, but we, what we are saying is there, there there could very well be a place, but we're not quite sure where that place is without things being checked. At the end of the day, historically, people have been treated very badly. You know? Yeah, exactly. Despite, and we are aware there is some stigma as well, we've acknowledged that, haven't we, Craig? Certainly. Of course there is. Yeah. There's stigma in society always, no matter whether it's a cult, a religion, a belief, a value. There's always some kind of stigma associated to something. Definitely, definitely. which obviously we, we are well aware of, and uh, it's a lot to think about, and it's a lot to you know in terms of my own my own process on that, and you know it's something I would like to do work on in the future. So if there is anybody out there that you know could give us a bit more of an insight and a bit more of a, a bit more of an, a, an actual personal experience of what that's like, I would love to I'd love to work with you or speak to you about that. Certainly, and I suppose I am a little bit reminded. To finish off Mm -hmm. with the idea from Grace Davey Mm -hmm. in 2002, I believe it was, she said religion is not necessarily in the church anymore. Mm. It's not in a place. Religion is not in a specific place because we are now in a society that is more secular Mm -hmm. and faith and belief and, for want of a better word, cultism, I suppose. Mm -hmm can be practised anywhere. Definitely, definitely. I think that's the thing as well, you know, and I'm not saying as well, like you say, not all cults are in compounds as well. Cults can exist in very productive societies. Not all live segregated, do they, Craig? Which we also have to acknowledge. There are communities, there are people who live in cities, there are people who live out of cities. This is interesting. I completely agree. And I think we can probably call that close. That's fantastic. Thank you so much, guys. And please let us know your thoughts. We would love to hear them. Thanks, everybody. Bye.